Hello, my name is Dr. Samuel Kim. And I'm Sharon Kim. And welcome to Research Sense for Korean American Therapy, a podcast that removes barriers and gives you a rundown of the latest Korean American mental health research. Hello, today's episode is on Asian Americans' mental health, help-seeking attitudes, the relative and unique roles of cultural values and ethnic identity. This research paper was written by Newish Shahid, Nicole Ways, Gary Stoner, and Brian Dewsbury. And I'm sorry if I pronounced any of your names wrong. This was published in 2021, and we are really excited because this is a very recent publishing. One of the questions that I have, Sharon, actually, just before we jump into the paper, is you have a very interesting background. Like, you're not the traditional or typical Korean-American. So I was always wondering, like, how do you identify your ethnic identity? You know, there's a funny story related to that where my student actually coined a term for me. I was sharing with my students how I grew up in Spain, Paraguay, China, went to school, undergrad in Korea, grad school in, in the U.S., worked in Mexico. I felt like I had a part of me in every place that I've been to. So she looked at me and then she said, ah, I know what you are. You are a paramechicoreana. And she actually combined Paraguay, Mexico, China. She combined all the places and then she just termed and I was like, I love that. That's who I am. That's, <laughs> I'll just keep adding on to that. But just in all seriousness, I think I've thought a lot about who am I? Where do I belong? What is my ethnic identity? And I think it all comes down to, you know, my background and the majority, I think of myself as probably 80% Korean and then 20% rest of the world, you know, because a lot of it had my parents' influence, how I grew up, cultural upbringing of still adhering to a lot of um, Korean values, right? And I think that had a lot of influence over me, regardless of whether I know it or not. So is it mainly due to you speaking the language, the foods that you eat, or like the holidays that you celebrate? How do you know you're 80% Korean and you're 20% <laughs> the rest of the world? I don't observe a lot of Korean holidays now that I'm in the U.S. I did when I was in Korea. Um, but when I, I think it's more about the way I think. I am more collectivistic in nature. I tend to put other people before my own interests. And I think that was ingrained in me when I was growing up. I think that, you know, showing off myself is a really bad trait to have and humility is a good trait to have, you know, all these things where I need to be self-composed, I need to be quiet. These are things that I had to unlearn when I came to the U.S. I had to speak up for myself. I, I couldn't just stay silent. I shouldn't be that silent minority, right? I need to speak up for myself. And so these things, there are a lot of things that I had to unlearn and relearn. But what about you, Dr. Sam? I would love to learn. I know you grew up in the States, but there, there is a sense that I get from Korean American second generations that they say, I feel like I'm living in between worlds. I'm not fully Korean. I'm not fully American. Is that how you feel as well? I think that is how I feel, mainly because the example that I've given, I think on this podcast before is when I'm here in the States, I'm always seen as I don't look like the people who live in the state so I don't quite fully belong here yet when I go to Korea they don't see me as Korean either they see me as Americans so I kind of exist in this sort of cultural purgatory in between worlds 
purgatory I, I like that word <laughs> it's not yeah. cultural in between worlds you said purgatory okay yeah, yeah. it's cultural purgatory it's like I don't know where I belong not to say that one of them is hell or heaven by the way I'm not making that analogy one of the things I think about is that it's not just Korean it's not just American for example to say that I'm American I think washes away some of the specific American aspects that I have. For example, I grew up in the rural South. And yes, I'm American, but I am very different from those who grew up in major cities like in the Northeast or maybe on the West Coast. I'm one of those Asian Americans who didn't grow up in one of those big metropolitan areas. And you know, one of the ways I described my ethnicity to people is Actually, I wrote this in an application essay that I wrote um, in graduate school. It's not every day you meet someone who likes cheese grits and kimchi. <laughs> and I think that summarizes me. That summarizes sort of this nice little mix. One thing that I actually really enjoyed learning about was this concept of third culture kids. And that's, those are kids who grow up overseas and their parents, either they're missionaries or diplomats or business kids, and they just grow up all over the world. And knowing that I was a third culture kid, one of the definitions of that is that you combine your host culture with your parents' culture and create your own culture. So you are a different species altogether because you're not solely your host culture, you're not solely made up of your parents' culture, but you actually create a third culture that's very distinct, that's a mixture in all of these beautiful cultures together. So I think that's what I see in you as well, where you created your own culture from what you you grew up in. Now you make me sound like a Wigane or an alien from another planet. <laughs> but there are a lot of aliens amongst us, so. <laughs> true, true. There's, and there's all flavors of us. And yes, yes. I really come back to food and the foods that I eat. Mm. And it's not just so much. It's like, oh, I like this. I like that. I think about what brings me comfort, like what brings mm. me feel like I'm at home. Yeah. Like some of my favorite foods are biscuits and gravy. And that's mm. something you don't hear a lot from yes. Asian American. Right. At the same time, I don't like seafood, which throws my Korean family for a loop. They're like, why don't you like seafood? <laughs> and they think that my taste buds are very American. So it's like, oh, he only likes bulgogi. He only likes these things. And I'm like, no, please. I really like chungukjang, which is like the super heavily fermented, as one of my friends who used to say, why does your soup smell like feet? <laughs> I love oh, it. No. I think it's amazing. And so it is just this interesting hodgepodge. And the reason I bring up these questions and for us to kind of explore our cultural heritage is we're complex. And this is just two examples of people with our ethnic identities who have very complex past, very complex mixes. And there's all these terms that can describe us. I really like that third culture one because I think that describes a lot of us. And it comes to this article because I think one of the statistics we shared before is that one in six Asian Americans are diagnosed with a psychiatric disorder. And yet only eight and a half percent of Asian Americans seek out mental health services. Eight and a half percent of us. That's compared to almost 18 percent of all Americans. And so one of the ideas is what if there is some sort of cultural value or ethnic influence that is causing some sort of barrier or informing how we move forward with seeking mental health help. And I think that's the main issue and problem that this article is trying to address. 
So previous studies have done research on this where they said, where they found that the more you adhere to Asian American values, the less positive attitude you will have towards seeking mental health help. However, the one thing that this paper proposes is that those previous studies didn't really break down what that Asian American value meant, right? Which of Asian American values, out of many Asian American values, which of them really prevent us, the Asian American population, from seeking help? And so what they did in this article was, okay, let's identify the core values of Asian American culture and then see and test out which one of them actually have a positive effect, have a negative effect towards seeking help. And isn't that amazing that we're breaking down that term of Asian American culture, just listening to briefly your story and my story and kind of how we identify ourselves, we don't necessarily fit in the exact same box. And to say Asian American defines all of us, it's like we're very, very different. We've had very different experiences. We have very different likes. We have very different thought processes. And so I think breaking down that term culture and really looking at the unique individual parts of it, I think are going to be really important. And so within that, the researchers identify five core values that are related to Asian American culture. And what they're saying is like, this seems to be fairly universal. It doesn't mean that every person has to have it. And more importantly, just because you may not agree with one doesn't mean that you're any less of an Asian American, but this seems to be mostly universal. One is collectivism, and that's placing your need below those of the groups. So it might be that you are someone who is willing to put down everything so that you can go take care of family or you're coming to address a family thing. Doing family things is of the highest priority for you. Another one's emotional self-control. So being able to control your emotions. I remember growing up, I was always told to chamo. Yes. Which I don't think has a good English translation. It's like hold it in or... Hold it in, yeah. And then humility, like being humble and being modest, you can never show off or be the center of attention. You're just kind of like, you know, it's all right. I just don't do those kinds of things. Mm. And I think there were two others, which was family recognition through achievement. So you need to achieve academically or professionally and avoid failures because you want your family to have honor instead of bringing shame to them. Before you go further, one of the things that annoys me a lot is my family has stopped calling me by my name. What do they, they call you? only call me Paksanyim or Kyozunyim, which is one with a doctorate degree and a professor. And I'm just like, you gave me a name. Please use my name. <laughs> yes, they will do that. It's strange. It's, they will do that. I remember pouring water into a water bottle and my grandma was watching me. And this water bottle had a very small neck. Mm -hmm. And I poured it perfectly. And she said, wow, this is exactly because you went to Seoul National University that you can pour <laughs> water so perfectly. And I'm like, Grandma, that has nothing to do with how I pour water, but they'll always try to bring back or right like family recognition is so important. They just feel really great if you achieve mm -hmm, mm -hmm. academically and professionally. And the last one is conformity to norms. So not deviating from family norms or social norms that were given to you indirectly or directly. And then moving forward, it's not just ethnic identity. It's not just saying that I'm Korean American or you're what was that term that was coined for you? <laughs> I am not going to attempt that. But that's not 
just one thing that completely identifies us. And the researchers divided that into sort of three parts. Your ethnic identity is a mixture of the things that you do, your behaviors, the things that you think, how you think, and the things that you feel. So behaviors, the things that you do, like what foods you eat, how you behave, thoughts are kind of how you perceive your ethnicity and how you kind of feel about it. And then feelings is more towards, do you have a positive or negative view of you having that ethnic identity? And so what the researchers proposed, their hypotheses, they had four, they said, okay, we think that people who have high emotional self-control, so high adherence to emotional self-control, that value in Asian American culture, um, will be less positive about seeking help People who are high in collectivism, people who are high in humility will also have less positive attitudes towards seeking help. And lastly, people with a strong sense of ethnic identity, whether that's in behavior, thoughts, or feelings, they will ha also have less positive attitudes about seeking help. So we're going to see what they found and whether they, their hypotheses were right. So let's dig into how this was done. Like, how did they go about doing this study? So it is a study of mostly college students, but not in the most traditional sense. They weren't just college students from the same college. The researchers went to Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is a well-known survey research tool that's available out there. And they had some inclusion criteria. We're not gonna go into the full um, detail about it, but they had a lot of inclusion and exclusion and they went through like what will count and what won't count. Um, the final demographic was of the 155 participants, uh, most were Chinese, about 23%, then Indian, and then there was a similar number of Koreans and Japanese, around 13%, and then there, was, there were smaller percentages of a whole bunch of other Asian American ethnic identities, such as Burmese, Filipino, Indonesian, Laotian, Mal Malaysian, and Pakistani, so there were a lot of them there, with about two-thirds of the population were men, half were graduate students, half were undergraduate students, and they were mostly second and first generation. The measures that they used, so by measure we mean the survey, if you think of as a participant, you were given a survey with a bunch of questions, and these questions came from validated tests or surveys that were used in the past, and they used three types of measures. One was the ethnic identity scale, the second was attitudes towards seeking professional psychological help. And the third measure that they used was Asian American value scale multidimensional. So let me just say this was for me, I did not know that they had scales for all these things. I love this. I don't know who developed them, but great for you. Like, this is great because I was so intrigued by these scales. And I actually went ahead and looked them all up and to see what is included in the scale. What are you asking people to really measure their ethnic identity? You did some more research. Oh, because you went to Seoul National University and that's why you. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, yes. My grandma will be very proud. She will probably say that it was because I went to Seoul National University. Uh, but I was just so intrigued. I was like, wow scales for everything. So the ethnic identity scale. So get this. One of the questions that they ask is, I have read books, magazines, newspapers that have taught me about my ethnicity. And then you just have to select whether one, right? I don't agree with it, or I strongly agree with it. Or there are questions like, I wish I were of different ethnicity. 
I know what my ethnicity means to me. So all of these will later give you a score of how strongly you identify to your ethnic identity. The attitudes towards seeking professional psychological help is a mouthful, but it's essentially how do you feel about getting mental health help? Some of the questions that they have there are, if I believed I was having a mental breakdown, my first inclination would be to get professional attention. Another one would be, if I were experiencing a serious emotional crisis at this point in my life, I would be confident that I could find relief in psychotherapy. And so it's just like, how do you feel about getting mental health help? The last scale that they used was Asian American values scale, multidimensional. And this is where it actually asked all the five values that we talked about collectivism. So under collectivism, they asked things like the needs of the community should supersede those of the individual. Conforming these norms, they asked things like conforming to norms provides order in the community or one should not do something that is outside the norm. And then you just have to agree to that statement or not. And then emotional self-control. It is better to hold one's emotions inside than to burden others by expressing them. And then family recognition through achievement. There were questions like feeling academically brings shame to one's family or one's achievement and status reflect on the whole family. I will probably be agree, 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 agree. <laughs> or that's how I was taught, right? Strongly, agree, strongly, agree. In the last one, humility, one should not sing one's own praises and or things like one should not openly talk about one's accomplishments. So what did they find? So they gave a lot of these measures. They found a lot of people. So what is it that uh, they found? Well, one of the things that they found was the more you adhere to or the stronger your Asian American value is, the less likely you're going to have a positive attitude towards mental health. But the question is, well, which value? Because remember, the researchers divided the value or Asian American values into different parts. And what they found was it was emotional self-control. Remember, they had five different things in there. They had collectivism, conforming to norms, emotional self-control, family recognition through achievement and humility, but only emotional self-control was related to less likely seeking professional help. And this was super interesting. I don't know, Dr. Sam, what you thought about it, but I thought, you know, that collectivism or conformity to norms would definitely have an influence, but it did not have a significant influence over seeking help. So it was emotional, having that sense of you need to control your own emotions. You shouldn't have to go to another person to solve your problems, that value that's ingrained in us, that's what's impeding us or stopping us from seeking help. And women had significantly more positive attitude towards seeking help for mental health concerns than men did. And then there were no significant differences between the South Asian, East Asian, and Southeast Asian participants. So a lot of these were very similar, but again, they probably picked a lot of the Asian values that were fairly universal across a lot of these different Asian ethnicities. And lastly, there's a hypothesis that the more closely I identify with your ethnic heritage that you're less likely to see mental health help as something being positive. Well, they actually found something very different in this study. They found that the more strongly you had a connection with your ethnic identity, so you had a positive view about your identity, you are more likely or 
had a better view of seeking mental health help than those who didn't. And so that was something that was a little surprising because I would assume, at least in my head, that if somebody was who had a very strong ethnic identity, I think of like the previous generations, like my parents and grandparents, and I was like, oh yeah, they definitely would not be open to these things. But seeing this study, it seems that this new generation that's coming, this contemporary group of Asian Americans, have a strong sense of their ethnic identity, but they also have positive views of mental health help. And I wanted the, the paper to dive a little deeper into why that was, but they also said it's, I think it was beyond their scope to actually kind of talk about why that might have been. But I thought it was fascinating too, that a stronger ethnic identity actually might mean that they have a positive view of seeking mental health help. So what are the implications for therapy? We talked about the cultural values that can stop us from seeking help and then found that emotional self-control was significantly associated with less positive attitudes towards seeking help. So one implication that they talked about was that Asian Americans who feel like they have a greater sense of control over their thoughts and feelings will less likely be the ones who go and seek help, professional help. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. If you feel like you need to control your emotions, some of that includes hiding them or keeping them very, very private. So the idea of even if they are a professional, even though they have those rules and you understand confidentiality, you may still not want to do it because that's not something that you do when you have the value of emotional self-control. And so I think for therapists who are working with Asian Americans who are, have somewhere on the spectrum of strong emotional self-control, you'll need to be very understanding and kind of approach them very carefully. One of the things that came to mind as I was thinking about that implication is the use of self-disclosure. So as a therapist, one of the things that we're encouraged to do very, very sparingly is to disclose a little bit about ourselves. And I wonder if you meet with an Asian American who does have a lot of emotional self-control, it would help to self-disclose a little bit since you're modeling how to share something about your own life and to encourage them to disclose a little bit about their own as well. I think for me, the research article just reinforced my belief that psychoeducation is really important to show these people, hey, look, you know, your cultural values are very important, but it's also, you know, there are benefits to seeking help. And it's okay, even if you think that you need to regulate your emotions yourself, to go through it with a coach, to go through it with somebody who will walk alongside of you. Especially when there is that Asian American value of family recognition through achievement, we can say getting this kind of help will help you be more functional. It'll help you yes. do better in life with different <laughs> things. Like it can Achieve be a big more. <laughs> well, I don't want to go that far, but yeah, no. <laughs> it can be a help. And so, yes, I think psychoeducation and psychoeducation just means that we're teaching people about our psychological inner lives. And so, yes, that is a major help for that. So the last implication that we thought about as we were reading through this article is this article is really just one of the first steps. It's not the first step in investigating these things, but it's one of the first steps. So another implication is not just the therapists and those who are getting therapy in Asian Americans, but maybe there's a few emerging researchers out there. There's a lot more to explore in these dimensions and these realms. And so 
I hope that there's a future researcher somewhere one day being inspired by this article and thinking, okay, these are the next steps we want to take with this and really see what are the nuances of being Asian American and how does that relate to getting mental health help? Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We talked about lots of different things today, and I hope that you're able to connect with some parts and maybe take a little closer look into your own life and see what your attitudes are and what's helping you and hindering you from getting the help that you may need. So I hope you'll join us next time. Sharon, do you have a title for our next episode up? Yes. So our next episode will be about discrimination and ethnic racial socialization among youth adopted from South Korea into white American families. Oh, we're going to talk about adoptees in our next episode. Yes. I am exciting. super excited. I hope you'll join us. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our episode, please subscribe to our podcast and check out more at mustardseedgeneration.org and samuelykim.com. To keep these episodes coming, rate and share on wherever you listen to this podcast. 